speaking of producer Roz. Yeah. Speaking of producer, um, oh, Frazier reference. Nice. Uh, production producer. Did you, what about the, um, track this week? Man, we just, so for those that don't know, while we normally record these on Friday, it's actually Wednesday. So we just posted the last episode yesterday. So, uh, because of the holidays, it, it's just, there's no time this week. So sorry. Yeah. That's actually the closest thing to a real excuse we've, we've had so far on this <laughs> whole show. <laughs> this, what are we, 18 episodes in? Yes. Nice. Welcome to Dipped in Tone, everyone. I'm Rhett. I'm Zach. And uh, this is episode 18. Uh, a bit of a milestone for us. We have had to change platforms for the patrons because there are now so many patrons that we have overloaded Discord's video, um, live video capabilities. Um, so what we're doing now is uh, if you're a patron, you can follow us and listen live and watch live while we are recording the show now on YouTube. We're actually doing this live on YouTube. Um, the logistics and the technical aspect of putting this whole thing together have proved to be somewhat um, formidable, but we're here. We're doing it. We've got more people in hanging out with us live than we've ever had before. If you want to join for next week's episode, you can follow the link down below. Join at Patreon, two bucks a month. And uh, join in the jollyment while we are recording in real life. You, you know what I like most about this is uh, now we're each framed so that when we move our hands, we know. Right. <laughs> we know what we, <laughs> we can know do. What, yeah, we know what, how to. I can't tell you how many times we've like tried to show something on the episode and been like, all right, here's this, here's this pedal I want to talk about. <laughs> awesome. Zach, ah. how's your week? Or uh, half was, a week. Yeah, uh, it was fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, just been chipping away at, um, at all the things I have to make. But, like, I I've not bought Christmas gifts for anybody. Dude, I, tomorrow, tomorrow's Christmas Eve, man. I know, I know. I mean, luckily, if 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 anything good came out of the COVID Christmas, is that Christmas is going to get pushed back for at least most people connecting with families. At least it is with us. Right. So there's that excuse, but no, I, uh, Morgan was like, what are you going to get for your mom? I was like, oh no, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so we'll figure yeah. it out later. Nice. Well, what about- we, this has been probably, this will be the last, I think Christmas that my, my family is all sort of together like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so we could not escape the COVID Christmas. We had to do all of our Christmas shopping ahead of time. So all that's been done. My week, half week, uh, has been relatively uneventful, to be honest with you. There's nothing really to write home about. Uh, oh, got the band together yesterday, and we're writing on some stuff. Got some cool ideas ready to go. Awesome. Uh, the the last show, the last live show, Backstage Live, episode six, will be January 30th, the Saturday, January 30th. Um, and that night, we are planning on sort of debuting the band the name hopefully an original song maybe more than one depending on how much we can get done um so yeah that'll be a nice little way to wrap up the initial um sort of coming together of this group we did the live stream the live shows for six months and then now phase two of the band is going in to make a record basically 
Mm-hmm. And that's going to be our goal for 2021. So, yeah, January awesome. 30th. That's great. Yeah, um, man. I hope that by the end of January, the um, the delay pedal is out. That's um, that that is something that happened this week. I got an email from the board house for approval. Uh, make sure all the parts were oriented correctly. I don't know why they asked me that because I asked them if they could change one thing, and they're like, "No." I'm like, well, why does it? Why do you, are you bothering me? <laughs> like, <laughs> like if, if nothing can be changed, um, but they will be shipping soon, so I'll have. Uh, PCBs and I got to get on the art uh, but man I'm excited about that it's been a long time coming yeah nice nice all right well let's uh, jump into the next segment our second ever installment of dip are we calling it dip your rig or dip this rig I think dip your rig because it the double entendre is is (laughs) and people in the comments said that's kind of gross I'm like yeah yeah Mission accomplished. Uh, do you want to you want to intro this one? Yeah. Oh, I need to. I need I need to pull up Discord on my phone so I can drop it in. Or do oh, you okay, have here, it? I'll do it. Yeah, okay. I'll do it right here. So, um, so this one was sent to us by Josh Gherkin, and uh, I, I texted Rhett and I said, uh, "Dip your rig, jealous edition," because he sent um, his setup. And he says he uh, plays a variety of cover bands from classic to country, classic rock to country to pop. His two main amps are a 64 uh, Fender Super Reverb and a 59 Fender Pro. Uh, to get some reverb with the Pro, he uses a 64 Gibson Reverb 3. And his two main guitars are a Novo Ceres T and a Miris J. And his pedal board has a smattering of <laughs> pedals that I have made. And it it's just incredible. So, I there's really not much to say about this. <laughs> this is this is beautiful. Yes. I mean, first of all, um, you have exquisite taste in yes. guitars, obviously, but also amps. Mm. I mean that that super reverb is just beautiful. It's in great shape, and if it sounds as good as it looks, that's probably a ringer, dude. And it looks like he's he's very much uh, a fan of the ZZ Top thing too, is because like if we go through his pedals, he has um, Polytune, a Lamplighter compressor, a Lightspeed, mm-hmm. uh, a Wildwood Mjolnir, a Mythos Chupacabra, uh, the Lagrange from Bogner, which I had one of those, it was pretty sick. Um, the Tone Bender, the Bender from the JHS Fuzz series. What's that called? What's that line called? The Legends of Fuzz. Legends. Uh, GE7 Boss EQ. Two weeks in a row for the GE7. Man. And th- that one's an analog mod. You can see the little sticker. Yep. I don't know what that... I don't either. I'm looking that, at that too. It looks like a phaser. Option 5. Option des- 5, yeah. Destination phase, maybe. Uh, the Mini Qtron, uh, Maxon 8999 the delay, which is my favorite delay, and then an MIFX boost of some sort or another. And... Yeah, it looks like it's on kind of like a vertex style board with the little. It does. It's like there's a little riser situation. Although when I look closer, I think it's actually a it's a pedal train. But he's got the I think he's got the riser like the pedal train riser on the top row. Oh. And it appears from this picture. I mean, obviously this is a clean build. Um, yes. But it it almost looks like there's no patch cables in here. It's so clean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
but obviously the power supply it's it's basically what we were talking about last week with with the rig um separating your your signal cables and your power cables uh excellent job done here uh and and you know what that rig you've you've covered all the bases with in terms of the pedal board without really overlapping i yeah. mean every every one of these drives you've got basically four overdrives on there which to me can you start once you get a, more than three overdrives on a board i think you start to kind of you're, you're it's a little overkill it's a little redundant however you've got four very distinct overdrive sounds the two the two closest i think might be the chupacabra and the lagrange there kind of yeah i mean the lagrange is is a marshall in a box that's the whole idea okay but um <clears throat> I, I think they were just kind of winking, nodding to ZZ Top with that. But, but yeah, I mean, the only thing that I would want personally is humbuckers. I mean, because you mm. have you have the P90 thing on both guitars technically, because uh, the Sarah T has the P90 in the neck. It, or well, I assume I don't know if it's like, yeah, eh, I guess that they don't. It's hard to tell if they're adjustable poles or if it's like the Alnico rod thing. But right. Um. And then the Miris J has two P90s or that. That might have the rods, which is like the kind of like a hybrid between a P90 and a Jazzmaster. But yeah, I, no, I, I think mean, I think you're right. I, I think a humbucker guitar is uh, would be the only thing I would I would think about adding. Um, but my God, yeah. what a great <laughs> what a great rig! And, and furthermore, what a clean room! Like there's mm. no junk in the floor. <laughs> Well, we can only judge based off of what we're seeing, right? He, he right. may have just cleaned out one, like, you know, six square feet of, of room. The rest could be just a hoarding hoarding nightmare. Oh. Uh, we don't know that. But from what we can tell, yeah, very clean. Yeah, all everything below the camera eye here is just cables and, like, humidifiers and, like, cases. He just came junk. and just pushed a bunch of shit out of the way. Oh. That's, yeah. yeah. I, I uh, man... And even aesthetically too, like there's there's complementary colors going on between the guitars, and you've got the gold top on the Miris J, that beautiful burst on the uh, the Saris T. Yeah, I mean it just it it looks right. Yeah, it's all have, there. Have you ever played a um, a Fender Pro, a 15 inch? Yes, Pro? at Carter. Oh, um, that's right. When yeah. we played the uh, Sweet Home Alabama Strat, that's what that's we were playing. Right. Man, uh, they are probably the sleeper fender amp um it's it was technically one of the first bass amps because i think the pro predates the basement got it if i'm not mistaken um but i i had never really uh messed with one and then uh i was at guitar center of all places and they had like a really clean one and i was just wanting to plug in to something cool and the guy was like dude check out that pro and it was an early, like an octal tube run, tube one, and just ah, oh, what a growl! And then the fifteen, it was so smooth. Yeah, love love them, dude. The chat is going crazy over this rig. I don't know if you've seen, but <laughs> yeah, the gifts are flying. The uh, the comments are somewhat less than appropriate, so we'll let those why. <laughs> yeah, honestly, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful rig. Um, I give this twelve out of ten. Um, what's our unit of measure here? Mm, uh, can, cans of dip. Uh, uh, 
<laughs> skull <laughs> cans. Skull cans. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. 12 out of 10 skull cans for this, this rig right here. Nice, man. All right. Well, again, yeah, if you want to submit your, your rig uh, for next week's episode, you can email us down here at this uh, email address. Uh, again, it is for Patreon supporters only. So to be qualified, join us on Patreon. It's $2 a month. You can't that, afford not to do it. That's right. You don't want uh, to miss out on all the fun. Yeah. Uh, so this week, uh, because I, this will be the last episode we record this year, I think, because... I think there's one more between. We'll do one after yeah. Christmas. Yeah, but that'll be next year, won't it? Oh, you mean when it comes out? Well, I mean, wh- when is January 1st? Hold on, everybody. Hold on. Stand by. Oh, that, the, oh January 1st is Friday. Right. So, so yes. Um, uh, so in, in honor of making it to the end of the year, uh, we're just going to have a uh, Patreon suggested topic. So I uh, made a post on Patreon itself, and there's a lot of great uh, ideas in there, but everyone in the chat, feel free if you have something uh, you want us to talk about, throw it up there. But um, there's some great things we can get started with on the the patreon if you want to hear some of these ideas and we can get into it for the yeah why don't you uh i'm pulling it up right now so why don't you uh jump in with the first one there so kevin imel said the light bulb moment when everything just finally made sense in your playing did you know when it happened or was it a hindsight thing i think that's a fantastic question about like Every, everyone's journey as a guitar player has that moment, I think. So yes. what, what, it, what was your aha moment? Um, I, don't, I don't know that there's necessarily one single aha moment for me in my playing. I think it was sort of just a gradual... And to be honest, I don't know that I'm there fully yet. But um, I think it started when I was playing consistently with other people in, in gigging situations. And I started listening to and watching recordings and videos of myself playing back. Cause when you're in the moment on stage, you're playing and you might be feeling it and thinking it's great. And then it's sort of like going back and watching the game film. And it's like, Oh, that's not, that doesn't sound like I thought it sounded in the moment I was overplaying or right. the tone wasn't right. Or I was out of tune or, or whatever. Um, for me, I think that's where it started. And it's just been years of learning how to listen to people that you're playing with while you're playing with them. Right. That's the biggest thing for me is listening and, and playing to the other musicians in the room. Sure. Did, did you ever find the opposite to be true? Where uh, Because I know for me, whenever I would perform i was always so insecure and doubted everything i did but then i would go back and listen to it and i was like wow okay no i i don't sound like i'm just fumbling through everything did that yeah. ever happen yeah i think as more recently that started to happen um look you we are our own worst critics i mean i certainly am my own worst critic uh to a fault actually where um most of what i do i look back on and think it's it's terrible and garbage and sucks um, but that's something I've been trying to work on. And yeah, there's been times where, you know, uh, playing with Noah or playing with Jesse, where I've gone back and listened to stuff and be like, yeah, that, that worked. That was cool. Yeah. Um, 
and and then not dwelling on that either not thinking like oh man i'm the shit because i played that solo just right right more like okay cool that was good yeah move on yeah i i think that i think recording yourself is is probably the best thing you can do to grow as a player uh especially in the beginning um and i've found uh cassette tapes of me from you know when i was 15 or whenever when i started playing and gone back and listened to him it's pretty hilarious but the moment that everything kind of clicked together and i had a real light bulb as far as like how to how to really do more or less what i wanted to do on the guitar was when i learned um uh all the different uh pentatonic scale positions mm. like you know not just playing in that one box um would that be modes or, or uh no, well no, not necessarily not. it would it would be just like learning your scales and intervals in more than one position up and down the neck yeah right because essentially it's you're playing the same notes it just starts on a different right like place position in the scale. yeah um yeah modes that's that's i'm i didn't go to school for this stuff <laughs> i didn't go to school for anything uh music related but um but when I learned that, and I learned that, okay, this box that I've been playing when I play this Jimi Hendrix song is here, and here's the rest of the notes in that that portion of the scale in this position, it really kind of like unlocked the roadmap on the guitar for being able to play open all the way up to the the highest frets because right. it just you know just repeats. And when I learned that, which was much later, you know, I'd probably been playing guitar for ten plus years, it it opened up so much more possibilities for me to do what I wanted to do and accomplish the things that I had been trying to accomplish that I didn't know, I didn't know how to do it. Right. Um, but that was a big moment for me. And then also when I was in a band, like before I moved to Nashville and stuff, I just had like a local cover band and I was the singer. Cause you know, it was like you play guitar, you sing, there's only three of us. And um, I had to play more complex rhythms and sing. Um, and that really opened up my mind to a lot of things too, because playing really like intricate riffs and singing stuff that's not necessarily following that melody uh, or rhythm is, is sometimes hard to do. Right. But once you get that and you stop thinking about the guitar and you just, you know, let it go, I, I feel like that helps you as a player as well. You don't get so like, focused on just playing riffs yes i think that's right too um and i think that goes back to listening you know and and sort of off that another big moment for me playing wise like in terms of actual mechanics of understanding the guitar i'm playing was learning my triads up and down the neck based around like the cage system and then learning how to voice lead chord progressions that was huge for me and it wasn't like a light bulb moment that was another sort of slow progression thing um that i actually learned playing in like the mega church scene you know because in that scene you have you're one of maybe <laughs> eight nine ten people on stage there's usually another guitar player and four singers and they all have acoustic guitars and <laughs> right two keyboard players and bass and like a drummer that's got 14 toms and all this shit and everything so anyway you have a very narrow frequency band to to sit in musically and sonically and so i learned through a combination of like listening back to what i sounded like in the context of the band and everything 
like, oh, cool. I'm going to play this four chord progression up here in the ninth position. And I'm going to play the entire progression on three strings without moving positions at all. And that works. And that makes it helps elevate the music and push it to where it needs to go. And I'm kind of playing my role and I'm fitting in my lane of what needs to happen here. Um, rather than just like filling up as much space as I can, because I'm only listening to myself and I only hear what I'm doing and I only want to hear, you know, as much guitar as possible. Right. Yeah. I, uh, in going to, uh, blues jams and like local jams in, uh, in Cookville, like the, my, neighboring town where i grew up one thing i learned is because like it was just guitar players there would be like one drummer and a bassist and they would sit there the whole time and so it was just a bunch of guitar players wanting to get together and jam and if i was up there and i wasn't doing like a solo or playing the lead melody part but you know they were like no stay 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 um one thing i started doing was just trying to come up with riffs that that kind of mimicked what the bass did almost in a um if you've ever listened to a lot of James Brown stuff, the guitar play is just real staccato, yep. simple melodies, you know, that are just, or, you know, simple riffs that just live in the song, but they're not stepping on the toes or anything. And when, when you have that many people playing, you have to find, like you said, like find your lane where you can be part of the song, but not overcrowding. Like there's no reason for three people to be playing the same chord on the same fret, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, man. Got to listen. Got to play your lane. Nice. All right, cool. Yeah. I've got one here. Sure. Um, Lefty Mike on Patreon asks, amp drive versus pedal drive. Mm. I can't seem to find a drive pedal I like as much as the drive I get straight from the preamp. That's a great topic. Great yeah. question. We could probably spend an entire damn episode on that. Um, What do you, what do you think? Man. Well, I mean, I... <laughs> As someone who builds pedals, you would think that I would say that pedals can do that, but they can't. Um, for me, how I've always approached getting a guitar sound is like do 90% of the work with, with my amp and my pedals take it the rest of the way. So the, the, the difficult part is the volume because often to get the drive out of the preamp, it's got to be loud. Uh, even if there's a master volume that kind of chokes it out, you, you got to let it breathe by cranking that master. But th- very few pedals, in my opinion, give the same feel and response that a preamp driven does. Do you what think do you- it's okay? So I agree. There are very few pedals out there that on their own will give an amp overdrive however i think there's more to it than just the preamp section because i don't like it when you are driving the preamp section of an amplifier but really really padding down the output either through a master volume or something like that where you're not working the power amp section i think the real glorious amp overdrive sounds that we all know and love come from the interaction of the preamp section and the power amp section working together because power amp drive, especially depending on, you know, what, what type of power amp section tubes and things like that that you're running really, really adds a lot of that harmonic content that we like as guitar players. Um, and it doesn't matter what amp we're talking about. It could be 
tweeds, could be a Mesa, could be, you know, Plexi, whatever. I think the real overdrive is when the, the preamp section is working in conjunction with the power amp section. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. I, I think there are some some pedals out there, though, that do a good job of sort of... Well, okay, there's there's sort of two schools of thought here, really. Because is it... You're using a completely clean pedal platform amp and getting 100% of your drive from the pedal itself because that's a different lane, right? That would, you know, I would go for a different pedal there right? versus, okay, I'm on a gig and I have to keep my volume low, but I'm getting a little bit of grit from the amp and I'm using a, an overdrive to kind of supplement because I'm not getting as much amp drive as possible. I think option A, totally clean amp, with, with amp in a box or overdrive in a box. I think there's a lot of options out there that are that are good at that. I think probably, in my experience, the best thing for that is the, like, the revival drive, either the compact or the big one. Right. I think they've done a really good job of sort of honing in on what the preamp section and power amp section driving does really well. I think uh, Lawrence Petros has some good like amp in a box overdrive pedals that he does really well sure i think mason at vertex the you know the the um ultraphonics stuff ultraphonics hrm is really good that new s s s steel string singer pedal yeah Steel string supreme steel strings really work in my dsr right now (laughs) (laughs) um yeah what do you uh what do you think well i mean i to be Quite honest, I feel like really clean, loud pedal platform. Well, see, I don't I don't think really loud and clean is a good place for pedals. I don't think that's to me, I don't consider that a pedal platform. Because I feel like for a pedal to do its job as well as it could, it it needs to hit something with some character. And oftentimes loud, clean things don't have a lot of character. That's not entirely true. You know, guys like Mick on that pedal show uses his two rock, but you know, in all honesty, when I listen to Mick play, uh, and he's just playing with his amp clean, and maybe he's using just a slight boost. I think it sounds way better than when he uses something that has a lot of gain to it, because I feel like that is choking off and not letting the amp do what it does best, which is mm. be loud and responsive and dynamic. So, you know, the whole preamp in a box thing, like the revival drive, and and you know what Lawrence is doing, basically where people are taking. Uh, transistors and using them as re- replacements for tubes and or transformers in some cases like you, right. like Nick Greer you know with like the Soma 63 and stuff like that yeah right so that's like emulating the output section um, which is something oddly enough we tried to do in the first iteration of the Lark and I couldn't <laughs> get it right it was it would it sounded good but it was too quiet it, I I don't know I, I wasn't going to bother Nick I was like I wasn't going to say hey Nick tell me your secret Hey man, how do you do this? <laughs> hey, send me a schematic. Why don't hey man, you? you got one of them schematics I can take a look at right quick? <laughs> send me a, P- a PDF real quick. <laughs> Maybe an animated GIF. I'll look at it. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, that's just me. Like w- when I think of like using overdrive pedals or, or pedals to create overdrive, I think your amp has to be cooking um, to really sound as full as it could because. Just my two cents, when you have something loud and clean and you put a gained sound through it, I think it sounds closed off. Interesting. I slightly disagree with that. Um, so fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I, I think 
when I, my first sort of real amp that I got when I was starting to gig and work was the Port City Pearl, which for all intents and purposes is that thing. It's totally clean, lacking in sort of character. Um, you can sort of think of it almost like just a tube driven kind of power amp with right. a three band EQ and a bright switch. It doesn't, it's not going for like a fender thing really. But the thing I liked about that, especially starting out, was you could put kind of anything in front of it and you could make it sound good. Now, sure. the way to make it sound good is to push the amp. That amp doesn't break up at all, but when you are pushing, you know, on that amp, you get the the volume at around 11 to 12 o'clock on the pot there. And it does start to saturate a little bit. It is adding a little bit of harmonic character that when you hit uh, the pedal going in the front of, then it starts to awaken the amp. Also with its cabinet, the, the, the best thing that Port City does, I think, are their cabinets. The mm. I have the 212 Wave OS cabinet. It's one of the best sounding cabs ever. They're fantastic. And so when you're pushing the 212s in that cabinet with that overdrive, I think it does sound really good. Um, and a friend of mine who has some of the best tone I know of, um, both in person and on records, he uses a Pearl for everything. He's got a hundred watt Pearl and he hits it with amps on the front end or right. sorry, with pedals on the front end. <laughs> he hits it with amps going into the amp. It's a secret, man. See, what you do is you use the amp in front of the amp. No. Um, and I got some good results that way. And I still have my Pearl for that very thing. Um, but it got to the point where I realized the tones that I liked were always broken up. Even my clean yeah. tones were always dirty. And so I just realized, okay, that's not probably the, the main amp that I want to be using all the time. Well, I, I think I should clarify what I've said in, in a way is like, I think it sounds small when you use like, let's say you had, you know, any overdrive and you had the gain maxed and the volume just as kind of an even thing. I think it, it, I think overdrive sound best hitting any amp with the volume high and the gain barely doing anything. I think that would keep everything big and fat. But as far as like having a clean sound and then you step on a pedal and have a strictly overdriven sound, you know, say mm -hmm. like a JTM 45 pushed like all the way. Like, I feel like that it's, it doesn't, it doesn't translate as well to me, but that's just my opinion and what well, I hear. The way around that though is overdrive stacking. Cause I agree. Right. Yeah. I agree. Like I, I've never really liked the okay, here is my lead sound in one pedal, and here's my rhythm sound in one pedal, and here's my edge of breakup sound in one pedal. That's why I've loved the light speed so much. Like the light speed and the Timmy together, I think are fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, because if you have a light speed, a Timmy, and a boost, you have the <laughs> the world's your oyster in terms of overdrive sounds in my opinion yeah even in it with a clean amp or with a slightly overdriven dirty amp like that particular combination of drive pedals i think is sort of at least for me the trifecta of great drive sounds um same thing with like the morning glory I, before i had those pedals i had a morning glory and a charlie brown from jhs and same kind of thing you know blues breaker overdrive into like a charlie brown's like a jtm 45 kind yeah. of thing right so yeah, I agree. What the if you're running a totally clean amp and you want convincing overdrive sounds, stack overdrives. Have one set really light gain and have one set to medium gain and then stack them together and voice them in a way that they're complementary so you're not 
doubling up on too much of one frequency, for example, and you can really build some some great, great clean sounds. Yeah, or, you know, uh, overdrive sounds. Yeah, when when I was at Anderton's, um, you know, I talked to Lee like because we did my video, and I, you know, he talked about stacking. And after we were done, you know, like we 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 sat there and played through things, and I was like showing him, you know, how I stack stuff and how I could stack like, you know, three pedals easy, and he's like we've never had sounds like this in this room. It's incredible. I was like, man, low gain, high volume. That's all. That's, that's the secret. That's the secret. Just hit everything with volume. So. Yep. It's about moving air, man. That's it. That's it, man. You got to move <laughs> air to move bodies. You know what I'm saying? Hey, <laughs> Hey man. All right. What, uh, uh what's next Jesus. year on the old, uh, the old topic box? Well, um, I kind of like this one and this is something that you've done videos on, but, I think it's uh it's an interesting topic that we haven't touched yet is how speaker choice can change your sound and how different speakers affect the react I guess he means the reaction of an amp. This is from Chris T on Patreon. He says how different speakers affect Marshall, Vox, etc. tone. So speakers are everything, man. Like yep. I think if I okay. If I was going to have a wider selection of something, I would rather have one or two like good amps and a bunch of cabinet options with different speakers, speakers yeah. and cabinets, um, because they have such a massive impact on the way the amp, not just the way the amp sounds, but the way the amp responds, the way it sounds in the room versus under a microphone. Um, Again, how much air it's moving, it's, I mean, really, really speakers to me are everything. If you don't, and, and that, so, um, you know, TPS, they have the, uh, the horn. We need, we need a version of the, the honk. But um, a couple weeks ago, I interviewed Joe Bonamassa for the Tweed video. And he said, he said the same thing. He's like, speakers are everything. If you don't like the way the amp sounds, change the speaker. Yep. We did this with Noah. Noah had an amp. He bought uh, Dr. Z Cure, which is a great amp, but it wasn't fitting for him and his sound and his rig and the way he played. So he threw a green back in it and it just immediately opened that amp up and, yeah. and immediately made that amp sound the way everyone was looking for it to sound. I mean, they really are. I haven't done a dedicated video on speakers, but I feel like I should. I feel yeah. like that's a pretty solid topic to, to cover, you know? Yeah, well, it's a lot of it's a lot of work. I mean, you know, doing demos, especially if you're going to try to like showcase how a different speaker, you know, or a, a number of speakers react with a single amp, you know, cause you look at something like a Fender, you got to take the whole thing apart, like a deluxe, uh, reverb. Uh, and I don't on the tweed deluxe, you probably have to take the amp out as well. Don't you? Yeah. The actual chassis out. So, you know, it's not something, I mean, you can always just like leave the amp chassis part out and run a speaker cable and, you know, basically the same thing, but you know, the, um, that's something that I realized pretty early on too, is like, you know, if I like the overall vibe, but something's not happening, it's probably just a speaker swap. Yeah. And the, the beauty of reverb and eBay is chances are you can probably find a used speaker to try for not much money. And there's so many great resources for speakers because there's, Man, there's there's so many options. It's way more than just ceramic and El Nico. Yeah. You know, the type mm -hmm. of cone, if the cone has uh, ribs, 
uh, if it's d- uh, doped, you know, yeah. with like the doping around the edge, like it all matters and everything could like push your sound one way or the, the other just slightly, but sometimes just slightly is all you need. Mm-hmm. So I, um, in my deluxe reverb, it came with the, the Jensen, the stock Jensen. Now mine was from 1999, right? So it had been played, it had been toured. The speaker was well broken in and it sounded better than most yeah. speakers that those amps come with because that's the, the trick is breaking it in. But I swapped it with an eminence, um, George Alessandro, like GC 12. I don't know. It's the one made for blackface fenders. And immediately it was like, oh, that's what that amp's supposed to sound like. Yep. Yep. And it was like, you know, I bought it used for like 70 something bucks or something, you know, 50 bucks. It wasn't bad. And, and like now the amp, I love it, you know? Exactly. Yeah, dude, the speakers aren't crazy money. And it's it's one of those things that, you know, before when you get an amp, you know, if you're not feeling it, you're not, it's not sitting right or whatever, or you played it in the store and you love the way it sounded in the store and you got it home and you're like, ah, I don't know something. Dude, buy a speaker, get something used off reverb, search Craigslist, eBay around you and try, you know, try a greenback, try an Alnico, try a whatever. And the thing is, just hold on to them. Like, right. keep the box. I have a couple of extra speakers floating around. And you just never know in the future, oh man, I've got this cabinet. I'm going to, I'm going to, I did that with my Morgan cab a couple months ago. I had a, a UK made, uh, greenback that I bought on eBay. It was like a hundred bucks. Um, and I bought it for a project. I was, I was, when I built my tweed from Mojo Tone, I was going to, I was trying to decide, do I want a greenback or do I want an Alnico? So I bought a really good greenback, UK made selection. And I bought a really good Alnico blue that had been broken in and worn. And I tried them both out settled on the Alnico and then I was like, well, I'm not going to get rid of the greenback. I'll save it. And then ended up throwing it in my Morgan cab, the Morgan 112. And so now I've got a really great open back 112 cab with a great sounding greenback in it. And that has been a, such a useful cabinet for recording and sessions because you've got a really solid 25 watt speaker that as long as you're not overpowering it with a big amp or something, it sounds amazing. It sounds amazing under a mic and it sounds great with the Morgan sounds great with a bunch of different amps. It's there really are something I think to invest in and experiment with. And it's one of those things you can watch videos you can listen to comparisons on headphones, but until you actually try it in your amp with your rig, I don't think you'll fully understand the impact that a speaker change will have on your tone overall. It's huge. Right? Yeah. Oh man. It's, it's incredible how, instantaneous it is i mean some granted like i said speakers do have to break in so if you buy a new one and it doesn't sound quite right just keep playing it just you know just hang in there and eventually it'll start to sweeten up or something because you know especially with um like i i feel like with an american style speaker or something like a jensen or something in that camp they can tend to be a little harsh and brittle on the top Mm -hmm. end yep so that can go away you just have to be patient uh, or you can buy one from like, you know, Weber or something and they'll break them in for you. So yeah. you don't, you know, you can just you skip that step. Um, I, <laughs> a friend of mine, what he used to do was just take his, his timeline, his delay pedal and just make a loop and then run it through his, uh, his amp and cab for like a day, just stick it in a closet and just let it run for a day just to kind of break in. But yep. eh, you know, 
Um, nice. All right, cool. Let me uh, let me pull up another one here. I should have been ready for this. Um, oh, this is good. Michael Mendoza. What part of your playing that needs the most work, and how would you approach improving? <laughs> Zach. Oh God. I mean, for me, just. I need to just start practicing. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I play guitar very little, which is sad. But um, the thing that I would want to get better at is um, is honestly being able to uh, know more of the chord shapes and everything up and down the fingerboard and be able to be, I, I, like being a rhythm player is great, or being a, a lead player, sorry, is great. But that is such a small fraction of what a, being a guitar player is. I want to be a better rhythm player and, and learn more uh, chord shapes and inversions and how to, I don't know, like just unlock that side of my playing. I do have a difficulty because of my dumb left hand. Um, typically I can only play, uh, especially high up on the neck, small chord shapes, you know, just like three note things. Not that that's ineffective, but, um, like, I, I don't know bar chords, like, because I, I physically, I can use my thumb to do some of them, but it, it's, it's, it, it's difficult. So that's something I really want to try to learn. And, and it's something I should, I should really learn it, like, you know, the caged system and, and those sort of things too. Dumb left hand sounds like an Athens band. <laughs> dumb left hand. <laughs> What's up with dumb left hand? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, I think I think that's pretty solid assessment. I, I don't, you know, when you say bar chords, do you mean you don't mean just like the standard major minor stuff, right? You I mean, mean I, I physically can't like. Okay, this is my right hand. I can't bar and play a chord after it. Like I can't do that with okay. my left hand. So, <clears throat> like, I don't have a guitar out of a gig bag. Um, so like, I any bar chord I can't do. So every chord shape. I have to be able just to play it, mm. you know, either, uh, I, mean, I just have to play it with just a few fingers. <laughs> um, well, you know what? I actually don't think that's that bad because one thing that took me a while to figure out, um, when you're playing with a band or you're playing on a record or with a mix, oftentimes you don't need to play the whole chord. Right. You, you especially like the lower strings, especially of a lower voicing chord. I don't, I don't usually play the fourth or fifth string or sixth string very often when I'm voicing a chord in a band because there's low end information. The bass is handling a lot of that stuff. You right. know, a lot of times you don't need to play the root note, right? Or if it's an inversion, let the bass or keyboard or something take that that interval, that third or fifth or seventh or whatever it is. And so yeah, you can you can kind of get away as a guitar player with only playing a few notes of the entire chord enough information to infer the tonality of the chord but yeah i think i see what you're saying though just being able to figure out different voicings up and down the neck and how to create different sounds yeah it, it, i think ultimately being because i hear what i want to play you know i know what what i want it to sound like but i sometimes i can't figure out quickly enough like what chord that would be like what because I, I don't know much theory i know very little theory and that so man i think for me what part of my playing needs the most work my discipline to like sit down and actually 
play in practice. Um, I struggle a lot on guitar with feeling motivated and inspired to sit down and play and learn new things by myself. I'm really not interested in playing guitar by myself at all. Like I, I don't, I just don't like it. <laughs> right. Um, but things like yesterday when the band came over, I mean, I played for four hours, five hours straight. That's the most I've played in weeks. I mean, I was like, my hand was literally sore because I haven't played that much recently. Um, so yeah, I, I need to work on my motivation. And this is something I've always struggled with the self-discipline and motivation to practice and like pursue something on guitar um, just for the sake of learning and getting better. If, if I have the opportunity to play with people, dude, I'll play all day, every day. And I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. But in times like this year, honestly, has been really hard for me because aside from the live band, um, you know, I haven't played, I haven't gigged, I haven't been in rehearsal. And so I've gotten rusty. My, my chops have gotten a little, you know, I've definitely regressed this year. Whereas every year up until this point, I've made solid progression. And the reason is because I'm just not motivated to play by myself. I hate it. Yeah. I absolutely hate it. Playing in a band is the best practice is the best practice. You could be playing the same songs over and over, but as long as you have the the freedom to kind of step outside of your box, I don't think there's any better practice that a guitar player can do. And and and, and another a better place to find inspiration in your own playing. Dude, the best shape I've ever been in as a guitar player was, you know, it, after a week of rehearsals with the Muddy Magnolias, we were getting ready for a tour. I forget which one it was, but we had rehearsed for like six days in a row mm. from like 10 a.m. to 7 or 8 p.m. every single day. And I remember at the end of that week, I was like, I've never played guitar better than I'm playing right now. I was I was physically able to do stuff, play faster, more fluidly than I was before. I was coming up with new ideas that I had never played before. And it was because I'd been, A, physically playing a lot that week, but B, also just in the room with other people and working with musicians and other players and like pulling from their ideas and pushing each other back and forth. Like, yeah, it was uh, it was a great time, and this year has taken it all away. <laughs> yeah, it, it, dude, it's so crazy because I mean, it'll all come back. Like you know, when once once that happens, like it, all that uh, ability, it's like riding a bike. You know, yeah. Uh, which is I hate that analogy, but <laughs> but you know, it's so interesting, and I really feel like we should do an episode on like the psychology of music and guitar playing. Um, but that would that would mean we'd have to like do some research and plan. Yeah. But or just like, bring someone on that knows what they're talking about and we'll right. just talk to them about it. <laughs> but it, it's so it's so crazy. Like, um, so if if I'm allowed to nerd out, the spot the spot in your brain that understands music is the same spot that understands language. Mm -hmm. And the more you work that part of your brain, the more that area of your brain, it's called Broca's area, starts to light up and and be more active. And it's just crazy. Like the more you do that, like how how much more like of your brain is starting to like fire on that sort of thing and i think that's a big part of like why the creativity and uh the exploration starts to happen is because you're you're more engaged yeah because there's more things happening up here you know yeah yeah so. that's you're right you're totally <clears throat> totally right but for me it's just a it's a mindset shift that i have to make 
Um, I'm just, I'm naturally a people person. I'm naturally an extrovert. And the idea of sitting in this room and practicing guitar by myself for three or four hours is my idea of hell, (laughs) which is why I never do it. I never do it. I've tried so many different ways of getting, okay, I'm going to wake up. The first thing I'm going to do is just like go in and practice. And it feels good a lot while you're doing it, but I just, I lose interest. It's like, well, what am I practicing for? Right. Like I, I don't, to me, I need like a goal. I need a, I need a deadline. I, oh, I got a gig coming up or, oh, we're working on a record or, oh, we've got this tour coming up or whatever. I need to get in shape for this. I need to learn these songs. I need to like learn this pedal, whatever. But now it's like, well, for what? <laughs> like, so I can yeah. make a, a video about a, an amp or something like I, you know. Yeah. I, I think planning out a practice, like planning out a time to do something for yourself like that is usually you know, setting yourself up for failure. Like I'm going to practice guitar. I'm going to learn this song. I'm going to write, you know, you know, a a verse this week. I'm going to do this or that. And then, you know, if it doesn't happen, then you're, you're discouraged and it's, it wasn't worth even trying to make that plan. But, you know, I'm right there with you. I'm, I, I much prefer playing music with other people, even though I am not an extrovert. I'm not necessarily a people person, but playing guitar by myself is is super fun and I'm glad I do it every time I do it but I would much rather just be sitting in a room with another guitar player or anybody just yeah having fun so. yep 100% oh you want to do one more yeah I saw one that it's kind of for you um I mean it's for both of us but uh Jared Sams on Discord said with all the gear you guys come across with demos etc do you feel like it actually inhibits your creativity and prevents you from developing your craft uh, going through this now myself. Um, it doesn't inhibit my creativity. What it does is inhibits the sort of close connection and understanding that you develop with a specific tool, uh, whether that be a guitar, an amp, a certain pedal or a pedal board or whatever when you spend time with like one rig, so like one guitar, one amp, a couple of pedals, you really start to understand what that combination of tools does well and the voice and the sounds that that does really well. And you can really, really dial in um, your sound on that, on that rig. I mean, you think about all the great players, they, a lot of the, the best players out there have stuck with like their rig for, decades think about robin ford think about Derek trucks every single time i've seen Derek trucks he's played the same sg with pretty much the same amp or the same style of amp and that's it same thing robin ford same thing jeff beck i mean the the list goes on and they do that because it's like that's their sound that's what they know that they like and they've they've figured out how to voice that um i and it look this is a totally ridiculous niche problem that is not in any way a complaint because i'm really lucky to you know because of my job i have access to a lot of really great gear all the time um and so i have completely lost that connection with like one thing that i used to have for a long time i had like one or two guitars that i would gig with one amp maybe two amps that i would gig with and one pedal board 
and I just knew how to make that stuff sound the way I wanted it to sound. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, of all the things you have now, if, if you could say like, you know, if there was a fire or something and you can only grab one thing and then henceforth, that was your rig. Like, what would you grab? Guitar and amp. Pedals. Guitar, uh, guitar would be the Saris J. Um, a, because I mean, look, I talk about that damn thing all the time, but I do genuinely love that guitar. And I think it is incredibly versatile. Um, it would, it, yeah, it'd be the Saris J or the 335. Same reason. Um, yeah. Amp wise, I'd probably pick one of the divided by 13s, probably the RSA 23, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just because it's more versatile, I think, than the FTR at least for what I like to do sound wise. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that would be, that would be the rig. If I, and so I guess the other way to look at it is like, if you were going to sell off everything and just pare down to like one thing, yeah, that would less, probably be it. Less catastrophic that way. <laughs> yeah. It's less depressing to think about. I would say, uh, yeah, either, either that or the tweed. I think like the tweed deluxe is another one of those amps for me. I can do everything that I would need ever need to do. I think on a, on a tweed deluxe. Yeah. I, th- I think the thing for me, cause you know, pedals, I don't really like, I can mix and match pedals and still get the job done. Um, I don't have like that sort of like connection. I have connection with pedals just from a, um, like, I, I'm glad I own it. It's like, it's special to me, but it's not like, I don't have a pedal. It's like, that's the crux of my sound or who mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. as a guitar player. But I do feel like mixing and matching guitars for me, even when they're, you know, in a similar camp, like my DGT and my Les Paul are not miles apart. But when I sit down and play one, I have to kind of lock into it and then, you know, get used to it. And honestly, when, you know, I just had that R9, that I felt like I was a little bit of a better guitar player, at least on that guitar, mm-hmm. um, because that I was kind of a, a devotee to that guitar. But now having more options, um, I feel like it just takes me a little bit longer to get locked in that headspace. But I could totally see myself being like, I have, I can only have one, and that's it. You know, it, it, yeah. I would probably grab this the Saris. Um, I mean, the, the Les Paul is important to me, but it's like I've kind of fallen out of love with, you know, things. So, but the Saris is special. And um, even though they could make me another one tomorrow, well, or maybe not. Maybe not. Because <laughs> they're discontinuing the TCS. <laughs> I could probably twist Dennis's arm. But, yep. um, but, you know, it's like, I don't know. I think that would be the guitar I would, if I had to have just one, I think I would get keep that one. Nice. Well, there you go, everyone. That was Patreon discussion topics way to end the year the first year of dipped in tone um uh, what a, this has been a great ride so far yeah i love it maybe uh maybe we'll do at least 18 next year <laughs> <laughs> so you want to you want to do a shill of the week here oh i forgot do you have one you I've go got first. one you go first i've got a couple actually um but i'm gonna do because i like talking about recording gear and microphones and stuff like that uh-huh um I'm going to do this microphone that we're both using. Oh, I want to look in my closet real quick for something <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, all right. So this is a question that I get from time to time from people on Instagram um, or YouTube. 
and it's, you know, hey, I'm, I'm starting to get into recording and production at home. What mic should I get? I'm looking at, you know, should I buy a 58 or should I buy this condenser or should I buy whatever? To me, this is the one microphone to do everything. If you are going to have, you know, a good mic, maybe a decent mic pre uh, and a good little interface and you want to start working recording and you're recording multiple sources. So you're doing a vocal, you're doing acoustic instruments, you're doing electric amps and things like that. The SM7B from Shure is the microphone. Um, we're not sponsored or endorsed or anything by Shure. Both paid for these mics. Yeah. Um, but this is one of the most famous microphones of all time. Um, it's designed as a radio broadcast microphone. That's what B stands for. Um, they've been around for ever and ever and ever. There is an earlier version of this from the 60s or 70s, I want to say. But countless iconic vocals have been recorded with this microphone. This is the Thriller mic. It's It's been, I mean, dude, everyone uses SM7s. They're not crazy expensive. You can pick them up new for around $350. You can get them used for around $300. They hold their value really well. Yeah. They're built like damn tanks. You can't screw them up. And they're capable of handling really high SPL, so super high sound pressure levels. You can stick them in front of a crazy loud amp they work great, great on bass amps. They work great on drums. Um, it's essentially kind of like a big 57. You can sort of think of it like that. Uh, it's got a larger diaphragm than the 57 does. Uh, and it's great for rejections. You can hear if I go off axis, I mean, it immediately starts to reject stuff. So that means if you're working in a, an apartment that has a lot of background noise, or maybe your space isn't treated very well, and you've got a lot of flutter echo or standing waves, like Zach, <laughs> this microphone is going to do a good job of kind of rejecting and uh, not eliminating those issues, but helping you um, work around them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do Do you use? Because I have the Cloud Lifter. Yeah, I was about to say the so. the one the one downside to these mics are they're very gain hungry. So you're going to have to, depending on what kind of interface you're using, you're going to have to drive the preamp of the interface really hard to get a decent level for vocals. For, you know, louder sources, it's not not so bad. So uh, there are different ways to go about that. We use these things called cloud lifters, which go in between the microphone and the interface, and it just boosts the gain going into the interface, keeps your noise floor a little lower. Um, you can get expensive ones, you can get cheap ones, but yeah, the SM7B, man, this is this is the one mic I think to do everything with. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was when I when we were getting ready to do this cuz I have a couple mics but nothing nice cuz I'm this is not what I do. Um <laughs> I thought, you know, this is the one thing that if I ever have to record anything with an actual microphone, I can do it with this. So, yep. I like it. Now it's that a good, now, it's a good thing. Now that Rhett has taught me how to like use my equipment properly because I'm an idiot. <laughs> You're not the idiot. You just don't have any experience with it. It's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to taking my, my aux and saying, okay, line out into here, turn yep. it up, and now it works. <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I grabbed a pedal and... Um, Shocker. Well, I don't really have a whole lot of other things in this room. I just have <laughs> guitars and pedals and all the guitars are in cases and they take too long. So this is from my buddy... Let's say work. Stuart Tate in the UK. This is nice. his Raise the Dead Fuzz. And if uh, you know anything about me, you know I like one knob fuzzes. I mean, obviously. Yep. Right. But this one is really cool um, because it is just a single knob, but mainly 
because this has a pickup simulator in it. So there's a transformer in here so that doesn't matter where it is in your chain, it's going to play nice with all the, your other pedals and you're still going to have the response from your guitar rolling your volume down. It's not going to be funny with a wah. It's super, super good sounding. That is super cool, actually. Yeah. So the pickup simulator is is doing what exactly? It's, I guess, replicating the impedance yes. coming from yeah. a pickup? Right. Yeah. It, like it, it, it acts like there's, it, it acts like that no matter what is before this, the circuit itself sees a pickup first. Ah. So you could have, you know, a tuner, a wah, or whatever before this, a buffer. And before all of that actually hits the circuitry of the pedal, there's a transformer that makes it think it's seeing a, a pickup. So that is brilliant. Yeah, it's great. And uh, they're not crazy expensive. They're made, um, uh, it says in the UK, I can't remember where Stuart lives. He's given me his address so many times because uh, <laughs> I've sent him all sorts of things. We like trade pedals and, and, uh, I sent him a bunch of ribbon cables and stuff recently because he's my friend. But what's the uh, what's the circuit based on? I don't know actually, um, but it's it's gainier than the Golden Fleece, but it's not like uh, like Raise the Dead might make you think that it's like super like Doom or you know <laughs> super high gain or something, right. but it's not. It's just like a pretty gnarly fuzz that um, that you know works well on any pedal board. So yeah. Tate effects. Check them out. Well, there it is. Shill of the week. Episode 17? 18. 18? Okay, there we go. <laughs> it's on top of the screen there. Well, this is... Oh, it is. Oh, yeah, because I put it in the thing, didn't I? Wow. Great. Well, this has been great, everyone. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. Thank you so much to the patrons. Uh, the Dude, the GIF game this week... I don't know if you've been watching the chat and Discord, but the GIF... It's been... This has been the best week for GIFs. What a jolly meant to just sit here and watch. Oh, there's our favorite one, Ambrosia. Dropped it in the chat. Uh, so did Beto. Okay. Uh, remember, if you guys want to join in live while we are taping these, um, and I physically mean tape. We're running tape. We got, <laughs> we're got we going straight to VHS with this episode. Um, <laughs> see the tracking thing? Uh, you guys can join the Patreon link down below. Uh, you can also find... What, what, else, what other links do we have in the description box? Uh, usually I'll put links to things we talk about when I remember, uh, there's links to Rhett's website, my website, uh, uh, our editor's website. Uh, oh yeah. Shout out to our editor, Milton Torres Milton. over at Blue <laughs> Feather Recording. Um, if you need any editing, mixing, anything like that done, Milton is the man he's mixing and editing, not just the audio for this podcast, but the video as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, maybe you're starting a podcast and here come all the VHS gifts and the chat. <laughs> maybe uh you're starting a podcast and you need some mixing and editing help check out milton down in the description he's great yeah well this has been great thanks everyone we will see y'all on the next episode of dipped in tone bye happy new year we're getting amp nation actually we should, i want to shout out taylor builds uh the amp nation stuff um, everyone always asks me which I prefer I've only played one Amplified Nation amp and that was at Carter it was like the Wonderland the, the John Mayery one yeah which is uh, I've got that it, one sitting right over there it was great but yeah. um, I, I've, I've had way more experience with Two Rock and, and I know Eli pretty well so. yeah so fair you know fair warning Taylor has given me two amps and a cap so you know right. uh, take my words with a grain of salt here but they sound really good 
Um, his build quality is is really good, and they're not as expensive as Two Rock. So if you're in that Two Rock thing, I mean Two Rock for like the real deal Two Rocks. You know, I look at like the Studio series is kind of being like maybe Two Rock light. So yeah, like, yeah. So yeah, to I me, if fair. I was going to buy a Two Rock, I'd I'd want like the Bloomfield or something. Um, but Amp Nation comes in. And he's, he sells direct. He doesn't have any dealers. So uh, I think he can afford to save a little coin that way too. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, dude, I, his build quality is great. His amps are great. Check him out. Well, cool. Well, do you want to – should that be your shill of the week? Or yeah, that, yeah. We'll, we'll start with that. But you you go get your – well, I'm not going to pick the amp up because I got a dog <laughs> in my lap. But, um, yeah, what's your uh, what's your shill of the week? So he uh, Dan had one of these. He had a different version. But I've been talking to my, my buddy Joshua over at Snouse. Snouse. And I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out his black box overdrive too. Uh so he, That's the he one said, that I had for like nine months over here. Yeah, you borrowed it. Um <laughs> a lot of people ask me, you know, what my preferred blues breaker circuit is. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of that circuit, as as most people know, but if I was gonna play one and I wasn't gonna use one of mine, um, because I have made a few, it would be this. And the reason is because it has a boost that's really loud, because the the Blues Breaker circuit is notoriously quiet. I don't know if yeah. you've cracked, uh, plugged in that King of Tone clone I, I sent mm. you. Not yet. I'm uh, going to right after we get off. Not very loud. Yeah. But this thing is like crazy loud. It has all these switches on the side so you can change the tone and do all sorts of stuff. But uh, he's a really sweet guy and um, he makes great stuff. So yep. hit him up. Nice. I like the fact that we, for the most part, we're using this shill of the week. Here, here's the the ethos behind shill of the week. It's uh-huh. a joke, right? Because it's shill. Yeah. Anytime you know the online gear community can be very fickle, and you know some people look at people like me or Zach or anybody online that's talking about gear in a positive light um, as a way that we're we're just trying to pull a ruse or we're trying to pull a fast one on people or trying to trick people into like buying something I, i'm not really sure where the mistrust kind of comes from what the motivation behind that is but anyways to us or at least to me this whole point of this segment is to do one of two things a either educate you on what we think would be like a really useful like genuinely good thing to buy so that's why i talk about microphones and and sort of more utility kind of things like the zoom h6 and things like that or b try and highlight people that we think are doing really cool things that we want to help garner some attention to like this part of building this platform on, you know, dipped in tone is about being able to share and highlight what other people are doing that we think are really good and deserve the, the shout out, man. I think it was Dan from that pedal show said a rising tide lifts all ships. And I'm sure he wasn't the originator of that phrase, but that's the first place I heard it. Right. Uh, and when I heard him say that, I was like, that's such a great mentality to have. And I think, I mean, that's how I've approached all of this. You know, we all have to, you know, work together. And and if, if you know, Joshua gets some sales, that's awesome. And, and the whole community goes up that way. And I, I think that's how we should all act. You yeah. Know? And the thing about it is too, like, Zach or myself, we're not going to recommend something that we don't genuinely like. And I do that no. on my channel too. Like... I'm not going to talk about something that I think is not a good use of money um, because, dude, for most of my career as a guitar player, like I've known what it's like to want to buy a new pedal and only have like a certain amount of money to spend. And like 
really like think about, is this going to be the right purchase? Am I going to like this? I don't want to have to sell this. Like it, it's a big decision. Like buying gear is a really, really big decision. And so, um, yeah, I, I only really highlight stuff that I think is great and is made by people that I think are good people, good companies. Um, so yeah, with that in mind, my shill of the week is the Wonderland Overdrive from Amp Nation, Taylor at Amp Nation. Amp Nation is basically one one dude, guy named Taylor up in Boston, um, and he's building these amps. And they are, some of them are like direct Dumble clones. Some of them, like the Wonderland Overdrive, is like a sort of a modified, mixed sort of Dumble. It's like the clean channel is basically John Mayer, Continuum, Gravity, Tones. It's got an overdrive circuit like the ODS kind of thing. And they're just, they're really great amps. The thing I like about the Wonderland is you can run it with either six V6s or six L6s. So yeah. right now mine's got six V6s in it. So it's 22 watts and it's actually pretty manageable volume. It's got a good master yeah. volume on it. It's got a good effects loop on it. Um, or if you put six L6s in it, you take it up to 50 watts, which I actually haven't tried yet. I think I'm going to throw some six L6s in it. You're going to have to rebias it when you do that. But right. um, yeah, yeah, they're great I, amps, man. They're built well. They sound great. Taylor's a cool guy. Check I've watched out. your videos with them and I've watched RJ's videos and they sound awesome. And, and like, I don't want people to think that I don't like them if if they ask uh, what I prefer, that or two rock. I just like... I'm I'm close friends with Eli and mm-hmm. the whole crew and I have a relationship with them and and I know those amps. Yeah. Um so like that's, you know, like going back to what Rhett said, like it would be wrong of me to advocate those amps when I have no experience with it. Right. Um and that's not saying something's bad. I just I don't I really don't know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I I don't think any of them are bad. I don't I don't I've never heard one and I thought, yeah. But uh but yeah, you know, the, they're cool. Both, both cool. Both cool. Well, there you go, everyone. That was uh, that was the listener requested episode. Dipping <laughs> rigs. We're never gonna do this again. Don't don't ever don't you ever ask us to do this again. Maybe this could be like a once a year. We'll yeah, or maybe like once every couple months because we do. What happens <laughs> is we do end up getting through a backlog of these rigs, and we have to get through them. Or uh, we forget what we're, or we don't plan what we're going to talk about. <laughs> and we're like, Hey, uh, I have an idea. <laughs> hey, you just want to do this tomorrow? Like, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's going to do it. Everyone be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching this podcast. Be sure to share the show with people. We're trying, we're marching up on 5,000 subs on, um, YouTube, which is awesome. We're getting there. Yeah. So, uh, it, the, 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 the views have been fluctuating. Yep. Um, but I think if we put that dog in the thumbnail, this video is going to get a lot of a lot of clicks. This is clickbait right here. That's it. Clickbait. Penny says bye to everyone. She says bye to the chat. She's bye about to everybody. Because she's exhausted. All right. Love y'all. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.